The following is a live broadcast of a Lone Star Community Radio program, recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Connors FM 104.5, 106.1, and Facebook.com slash IRLoneStar. For more information on this show, please visit our show page at IRLoneStar.com slash shows. To sponsor or donate to this program, visit our donate page at IRLoneStar.com slash donate, or email us at lscrstudios at gmail.com or give us a call at 936-666-1084. Lone Star Community Radio production and broadcast is possible by folks like you. So sponsor and donate today. You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe, and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Good afternoon and welcome to The Legal Connection. Uh, the Legal Connection is uh, hosted, we're we, two co-hosts, Tony Lynn Collins and Cheryl Ellsworth-Jahani, and we are here every Tuesday from 12 to 1 p.m. And you can watch us live on Facebook. And also, it's going to be important for this show, especially some of you may want to download it. You can download it tomorrow on Google Play and iTunes. We are so excited. Well, Tony and I are two Texas licensed attorneys. We come to you every Tuesday from 12 to 1 p.m. We talk about legal matters, anything legal that we th think might be of interest to you or from our correspondence with you that you've told us is important to you. So we are super excited today. Uh, we have, as I guessed, A.J. Channer. And for those of you who do not know who A.J. Channer is, he is the lead singer of a group called Fire From The Gods. Um, Fire From The Gods has several albums. Uh, Dick, do you know some of the albums that they've released over the year? I know the most recent one is uh, American Sun, and that was released last year. Yeah, what we did for the listeners is in the description, you can find the uh, Apple Music or Spotify links for all of their music, and then, of course, their great. websites and social media. Okay, great, great. So uh, last year, they uh, they released, I think, their latest album, which is called American Sun, and I'm thinking on that is a single called Right Now that is fantastic. The reason, and also, uh, I just want to say that that song right now has over 8 million views. Wow. On is that Was that YouTube or Spotify or Spotify? 8.3 million views wow. on Spotify. Mm -hmm. And I've also just learned that they have 500,000 uh, listeners a month. Wow. Huge. So they're out of Austin? Uh, they're in Austin right now. Yeah, but the reason I want our listeners to know that, you know, you and I have talked about the George Floyd thing. Mm -hmm. We've been very, very hesitant to make any comments or say yeah. anything. We haven't even discussed it at yeah. all because, you know, we really felt like I really felt like that if we did, I, we wanted to contribute to the conversation. Right. And we really don't have the facts. We are simply viewing whatever's coming right. out on the TV. So, right. Um, Better uh, to kind of back off and wait for the, the to play out on its own to find out what's you know you can see something but it's never the full story never the so, full story so I like that we've got our 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 guest today is kind of uh, maybe give us some clarity maybe not on that issue but on other issues his are, perspective right. you know the the incredible thing about AJ Channer and Fire from the Gods is that their songs are important they're relevant they're not silly they're not just trying to make a buck they're actually really <laughs> trying to say something mm -hmm. and uh, so you know as Dick told you we have the links to their music it's really important I hope we're all trying to do that in life I mean we have a purpose Maybe this is his purpose. Well, some people but, uh, take it more seriously yeah. than others. And it's not all about the money. It's about what your purpose Extremely is. Extremely talented individuals, and and uh, they care about civil rights. So we're honored to have him on our show today. Uh, right now has over 8.3 million views, mm -hmm. like I said. And there's another song called Excuse Me that's got over 7.2 million mm -hmm. views. So people are listening. We're going to have AJ. We're going to take a quick break and... Uh, and people are listening to his message, and I think that they're listening because it's important. And um, he just texted me, and he said he's on standby, Dick. So uh, 
we wanted to contribute in a constructive way, and I think if we make sure that we're listening as effectively and seriously as we can, then this important conversation will go forward. It won't just die down. Mm-hmm. I think it's important. It needs to go forward. And, and I can't wait to see where we're going with this because, remember, uh, we I don't have to say remember, Montgomery County is like, you know, uber conservative. Right. Uh, but we're also, uh, from, from what I can see, uh, despite being extremely conservative, Extremely rational, reasonable, and you know, willing to listen to. So I, I don't know where we're going with all of this, but I know that you're just, you have fallen in love with this particular uh, singer writer, and uh, I, I like everything you've told me so far. So I think right. it should be good. So let's take a quick break and get AJ on the line. And when we come back, we'll be here with AJ Channer, the head singer for Fire from the Gods. I'm excited. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service has been dedicated to educating Texans for over a century. In 1915, the Extension Program was established under the federal Smith-Lever Act to deliver university knowledge and agricultural research findings directly to the people. Ever since, AgriLife Extension Programs have addressed the emerging issues of the day, serving diverse populations across the state. Texans turn to Extension for solutions in horticulture, agriculture, 4-H and youth, and family and consumer sciences. Extension agents respond not only with answers, but also with resources and services that result in significant returns on investment to boost the economy. Join us Fridays at one o'clock for the AgriLife Extension Hour. Are you interested in learning more about preparing quick, healthy, and safe meals for your family? Would you like to spend time with others learning tips and tricks, along with practicing and tasting nutritious food? If so, the On the Road to Healthy Living Mobile Cooking School is for you. Call Amy Ressler at Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service at 936-539-7825 to find a class near you or volunteer to host a class. You're on the air with Tony and Cheryl and The Legal Connection. We want to welcome A.J. Channer, the uh, lead singer for Fire from the Gods. A.J., are you with us? I am. How are you? Good afternoon. Uh, We're great. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me. Oh, we, AJ, thank you so much for being on our show. You know, I I don't know if you were listening at the beginning. You probably weren't. I know you were on standby to come on. But I was telling our listeners about your group. Um, AJ, you and I talked about this the other day. Right now has 8.3 million views. And uh, the song, Excuse Me, has 7.2 million views. And that is just incredible. And I was telling our listeners how important your music is, how relevant it is. And so we want to expose you to our audience base and to have you tell us a little bit about yourself. So can you tell us, you know, they know that you're the lead singer of Far From The Gods. We want to get the story on how, how all that started. But can you tell us a little bit about yourself first? Of course, of course. So thank, thanks again for having me, and hello, good afternoon to all the listeners. Uh, my name is A.J. Chana. Uh, my first name is Akil, middle name Jelani, so everyone's been calling me A.J. since I was about six. Right. I was born in New York City. Uh, I left New York when I was quite young, went to the U.K., uh, back and forth between the U.K. and New York City from the age of about three till I was about 12 or so. Uh, and then when I was 12, I moved to Ghana, West Africa. Mm-hmm. I went to school there for about four years. So you can imagine what it was like being an American kid in, in Ghana, West Africa. The UK, yeah, there's a bit of similarity and, and you know, there's a lot of parity in, in London and New York City. Right. But uh, Ghana was a whole new experience for me. Uh, the school system was very different because I had been educated in American schools, so I was going into more of a colonial British sort of uh, schooling system. So I was able to uh, be exposed to something that was very unique to my upbringing. And then moved back to the States uh, back in 2000. I went to school, went to high school in New York City uh, with my, where my mom and I lived together. My right. sister, who was my eldest sister, who we lived together, she 
was in the Navy at the time. So, you know, we're very deeply rooted in who we are as Americans and who we are uh, as black people here in the, in, 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 uh, in the States. But furthermore, I had a very multicultural background. My father uh, was a Jamaican immigrant, so I was, I was also exposed to a very heavily uh, Caribbean upbringing as well, which you get a lot of in the U.K. So I've, I've been around, and I've seen a lot, and, and I, a lot came into making me the person that I am today. Which AJ, led me ultimately to you, fire from the gods. Right, absolutely. Um, can I ask you did Did you have any kind of a religious influence on your upbringing as a child? Was it, uh, or was it yes. not? Was it? Yes, Catholic? very much so. My, my, my mother, no, uh, we non-denominational Christians. Oh. Well, my mother, but see, my grandmother had converted to Islam very early in my life, okay. and that played a very large part in my upbringing as well, because. I would spend time with her, and I would be exposed to Islam. And, and in the UK, you, you get exposed to, to, to Islam in a different form. And then in Africa, in Ghana, which was made up of about 46 different languages and dialects, in Ghana itself, a very small country with, that, with so much diversity, the religious aspect was split between uh, Christianity and Islam. So I was very, very heavily exposed to to. Um, Christianity and Islam as a, as a child attended churches, attended mosques, knew the the new scripture, knew the word. You know, I, I prayed. Now, not so much because I've not that I I don't degrade the amount the the importance of religion or the importance of spirituality. I just have now taken more of a, I believe a holistic approach to the way I, I approach spiritual spiritualism and. And the way my relationship is with the 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 higher being, so to speak. But you know, I, I'm not a very religious person now. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to, to be completely frank. But, right. No, I appreciate um, yeah, your honesty. I was exposed to, right. I was exposed to religion heavily as a child, and you know, all the schools that I went to were quote unquote Christian schools. Right. So you know that to a degree, and then in boarding school, uh, you you go to church every Sunday, and the uh, the school in Ghana was built on Christian values, built on, you know, they were built, it was built by white men from, from, uh, from England. So it was built in, in a pretty much proto-Christian uh, makeup. Okay, well, I really appreciate your honesty there. I think that as we get to know you uh, a little bit more than our listeners may know you right now throughout this, this radio show, which is going to last for almost an hour, uh, I think that's important. I think that we need to understand that a lot of us are all coming from the same places. It may look a little different, but I think that's Im- right. I think that's important. So, so uh, you said that you came from a military background, and I think that that's just incredible. And and so you were exposed to all these different cultures, and being who you were as an individual, your experience was different than what mine would have been or what Tony, my co-host, would have been. So how did you come to start the group Fire from the Gods? I'm assuming that you started it. No, I did not. Um, Fire from the Gods had existed from about uh, 2007. It was a band, like any other, say, rock band or garage band, so to speak, like Nirvana or any of those guys. It was started by a bunch of kids in high school. Right, okay. A bunch of friends. I was in other bands in New York. Now, the Fire From The Gods lineup that we have today, that lineup got together in 2014 because Fire From The Gods had already built a name for themselves and say the Texas rock and roll metal scene that was big in and around Houston and around Austin, right. uh, very big in Dallas. So mm-hmm. and San Antonio, so from Central to South Texas, you have this very close knit kind of heavy metal rock scene, where a lot of the bands are kind of incestual. You know, they switch members, people know each other, and that's how music scenes thrive. Okay. I fortunately was in a band in Brooklyn by the name of Ashes Within, which is a lot of a bit more on the heavier side of music, and uh, and that we was had Ashes a manager. Ashes, Ashes Within. Within. Okay. Within, yeah, we we were like a really tough kind of heavier metal band out of Brooklyn, and we had uh, we shared a manager with Fire from the Gods. Now, Fire from the Gods had taken a move in from away from some of the more heavier metalcore stuff that they were doing back in in the early days of their inception, and they had integrated uh, a vocalist who 
was from the Dallas area, I believe, who uh, who kind of rapped uh, a little bit. He had this kind of hip hop flavor right. to him, uh-huh. and but they they couldn't agree. They, there was a lot of um, a lot of disagreement amongst the, the people in the band, and it just wasn't a good fit. So they they parted ways with him. He, he had been in the band for about a year and a half, and they really didn't do much. Mm-hmm. They had produced some music, and it, it just kind of it, it, they teetered on the brink of really kind of like fading away for a little bit. Okay. And I had heard the music, and I said, this is really cool. Yeah. And essentially, the way it started was me being involved in Fire from the Gods. I was going to help them write music because our manager was like my friend AJ, who's in a band that I manage. He's a very good writer. He could help this band write and, and help this band achieve some things. And then it just ended up, I came to Austin. I hung out with the guys for a weekend. I'd learned all their songs. They hadn't expected that. And we went and just kind of jammed in, in, in Austin in a music uh, a, a studio. And they were like, dude, do you want to join the band? And I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I was in New York at the time. And, you know, I mean, I wanted a change. And I'm not unaccustomed to change, as we've already right. figured out. Right. So I, I, I said, you know, New York, I was really and truly, I was sick of the winters. You were <laughs> you sick know? of who? I said, I'm I, the winters. Oh, right, right. My son is up there, Joshua. He's the winters are brutal. I know, exactly. Mm-hmm. Let me ask yeah, exactly. I, I, I was over the winter, and I'm like, you know what, Texas? Okay, sure. <laughs> right. Austin's this thriving city. It's growing. There's a lot of industry happening. I'm like, sure, I'll go. And, and more or less, the situation seemed very right. The guys seemed really, really uh, motivated. They seemed as if they wanted to do it. And despite all the other things I've done in my life, I'd always wanted to be an entertainer of some sort. I always wanted to front a band. I love singing. And I said, you know, this might be the final up. This might be the opportunity that really takes me to the next level. And lo and behold, it did. And we are where we are now. Let me ask you something real quick. AJ, Tony's got a question. Um, Only because this is the part that always intrigues me and I think might help, you know, up and coming writers and singers and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh-huh. At what point in your life? Because we don't have—I don't have a perspective of how old you are at all. I know I've got—I can—I'm p- kind of putting a, a, you know, a pathing through your life. You're bumping around from New York and England and Ghana and back right. again into Austin and all that stuff. But I don't know what your genre was. I mean, what what era you are? But more importantly, um, what at what point were you five, six, seven years old? At what point did you start? You knew that you wanted to be a writer because that seems to be what your what your your background is or your foundation. Yeah. So tell us about that uh, beginning. Very, very early, very mm-hmm. early. Mm-hmm. And you know it's it's so funny because my mother actually sent me uh, something from the second grade. <laughs> uh, I guess it was some sort of uh, activity that I must have done when I was getting to know my new school mm-hmm. and and getting to know me. So they took like a kind of profile and you you write down the friends that you have in the class and right. you write down what you want it to be. Right. And there, so there was a so I ticked these two boxes. One said doctor, and the other one said singer. <laughs> and I, to this day, I, I, I hadn't remembered that or even seen it. You know, she because you know how moms are. You, yeah, sure, you they know, save you, that you, stuff. You, you save everything. <laughs> we do. And my mom's like that. She saves absolutely everything. Uh-huh. I call her a hoarder, but she's like, no, I'm sentimental. <laughs> no, okay. I think there's something to that because my husband did the exact same thing, and he said he wanted to go to A and M. And he wanted to be either a doctor or a policeman, and he's a doctor. And he went to A&M. Well, and he right. wrote that when he was seven. So, so that's, AJ, that's did you mom. check both boxes that you wanted to be a doctor? And I, a checked, I checked both boxes, <laughs> but, you know, I'm not a doctor. Well, <laughs> you never know. And, you never know. Doctor and I, AJ. And I admire, I, I admire it, but I'm not going to school for eight years. No kidding. You know, well, well, never too late. Well, so, you know, I did. <laughs> when you made the move to Austin, was that 2014? That was uh, actually 2016. So I had commuted in between Austin and New York for about a year and a half, for almost two years. Right. And it got really expensive. And then the band actually started to to make real headway. Yeah. We got signed to a label. We got uh, picked up by a really big publisher uh, that in, in turn bought our label. And they're one of the largest publishers in the world. And then we wrote the song, Excuse Me, and that just took off like wildfire. Right. It was kind of an, an organic thing as well, because a lot of the times we were on an indie label, and most, most times, you know, indie uh, labels don't really have the budget to push for a radio campaign. And, they, you know, it's a very competitive business. 
the, the music industry. So we created a very organic base for ourselves just off of that song. And wow. it just, I, I believe it just, it was a timing. It was a timing thing. We came out at the right time. The song was relevant. It was poignant. And it said exactly what a, a lot of people were feeling. It wasn't divisive. We weren't trying to pick a side. Right. We were very, I was very simply just saying, excuse me, here we are. Just listen to what we have to say. Now, let me ask just you this, though. hear what we have to say. Um, you, uh, I'm really curious about when you knew that, uh, when, what, what was the catalyst for you to start writing, and what was the um, inspiration for Excuse Me? Right. Uh, mm -hmm. So writing had always been something that I'd done. I'd always composed. Uh, you know, I don't just call it free thought because it wasn't exactly poetry and it wasn't essays of, of sorts, but I would just write and write and write. And I had so much time having been in boarding school and such like that. And I would write my mom mm -hmm. these elaborate, these very long uh, just pieces where, you know, she would say, write me, send me letters, because this is the 90s, by the way. So right. we didn't really have the internet back then. Uh -huh. right. So I was writing her letters and I would write my sisters and, you know, uh, we had family that was incarcerated, so I was used to writing. You know, it was always about writing, writing, writing. So what I would do, I would just write down these elaborate stories, and I would talk about my day. I would talk about mm -hmm. what I was thinking. I would read books, and I would read these, these books about historical fiction, and I started writing about Civil War battles and stuff like that. And I would write into my mom, just mm -hmm. write it, write it, write it. Mm -hmm. And part of that, you know, I look back now, that was part of my development Right. as a free thinker, part mm -hmm. of my development as a critical thinker, because I was able to put together, separate facts from fiction, mm -hmm. and create my own reality, mm -hmm. so to speak. And that's what I do with music. I separate the facts from the fiction, and I see what's around me, and I write, and I just write it, and I put it in, and I filter it through. Okay. And hence the reason why our first record was called Narrative. Because it was my narrative, it was my stories, the way I saw the world. Mm -hmm. Really, it was through my through my viewpoint, okay. and hence the reason for the reason the, the record was called Narrative. That is And incredible. it's become the narrative for a generation because there are so many people, from police officers to teachers to to regular just rock fans and, and military personnel, and they all really get it. And and that's the beauty of what we're doing as far from the guards and. What's led us to where we are now is because the message has right. always superseded the music, superseded the other aspect of the rock, you know, the rock right. world. It's not sex, drugs, and rock and roll with us, you know? Right. It, it's about saving, it's about really putting forth a message that's poignant, that's relevant, and that speaks to the times. And it's, we speak it from a place from the heart, right. where, where it's not so much about what this person said versus what that person said. It's just here. This is what I have to say. And you take it, you leave it. And a lot of people are saying that's exactly what we're saying. Well, that, exactly you're going to go right. far with that. But that, um, as a basis, you will go very far because when you speak and work from the heart, that, that's gold. And nobody gets it, and you do. So that's there's great. A, there's an I old... think it's time that we do that. I, I, I think do it's too. time that we start listening to the heart a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, AJ, and this is you know why I got so excited when I heard your music from my son, Jonathan, um, who actually lives next door to you. I'm so fortunate. Yeah. So absolutely fortunate. <laughs> And then shared it with all my friends and my friends who are my age, you know, in their 50s, they went crazy. And you, you know what it is, really? It's that I think you're absolutely right about the timing. I think that God works in mysterious ways. And uh, the, the poignant message. And there's an old Jewish saying that says, when words are spoken from the heart, they go into the heart of the one who hears them. And I think that that's wow. that's very true about your music. So, tell us what happened while you wrote "Excuse Me," and then also, did you write "Right Now"? I did. Yes. Oh, I'm all just crazy lyrics, about I, that I, I song. All the yeah. That is oh, so. So tell us. I think Tony's right on. So tell us um, 
what what was the inspiration for right now? You talked a little bit about excuse me. What was the inspiration for right now? And I, I will add this that Christine will not stop talking about right now. I can't shut her up. <laughs> I love right now. I love and, and no one can. You know what happened to me the other night, AJ? We were having a party, a little get together at my house and my kids. Some of their friends were there and I started talking about right now and this guy said, oh my gosh, do you know who he is? He said, I sat my family down and made them listen to his songs. Wow. And wow. this happened two weeks ago. You know, so that's what I'm not going to I know. And it's important. Our listeners need to be exposed to this. But I I don't want to go off on us talking too much. I don't know either. But I'm going to add this because you were talking about (laughs) Jewish. And I was like, that's the one thing he didn't bring up was the the Jewish faith. And he has the Islam background. And it just so happened that the readings this week and I'm Catholic were all about how God asks us to pray from our heart because yeah, it's, exactly. it's, all, it's all coming from the heart. So it so will I go into God's heart. Yeah. You see, it mm-hmm. all works right. the same mm-hmm. way. Okay, so AJ, tell us about, well, whichever one you want to talk about right now, excuse me, both of them, tell us why you wrote those songs. Sure. Well, ultimately, and, and here's the connection between the two, excuse me and the vigor and the amount of the, the I guess you would call it the, that energy that went into, excuse me, ultimately led us to where we are with right now. Okay. And narrative, and, and then, again, it becomes, a, it becomes an album versus an album uh, question. Because, excuse me, was the biggest song off of narrative, and right now is the biggest song off of American Sun. No, oh, okay. And how we, compare, how we compare the two, narrative spoke of the view that a, a young black man has of the world that he lives in. And it's, there's, there's a lot of insular and a lot of inward reflection there because the, the, the Fire from the Gods has always been about change, and change starts with you. So where that takes us from Excuse Me, Excuse Me talks about the prison industrial complex. Excuse Me talks about tackling racism, talks about police brutality, talks about social injustice, talks about all the things that we as Americans and the topics that have been so heavily pressed upon us in the last, say, 10 years or so. Right. The real issues, the, the issues that have come to light, that, and, and it's okay because every, I think all societies and, and everyone's life has milestones. And this is just another milestone that we have to get through as a nation. So excuse me, a narrative was a scope of what that looked like. And narrative told a story that even though I'm an underdog, even though I might come from what I like to call the mud, you know, from the bottom up, you know, I, I still, my, my worth is it, it, still just as worth as, I'm still just as worthy as anyone else. My words can still carry just as much weight as anyone else. Absolutely. And excuse me, basically saying, excuse me, we just listen to what I have to say. In the midst of all the noise, in the midst of the cacophony of lefts versus rights and blacks versus whites, through all of that, someone is just saying, excuse me for a second. And, you know, there's a line in that song that says, excuse me, Mr. Officer, I don't want war. And I'm not only just speaking to the relationship between a black man and, and, and law enforcement or, or, or a citizen in law enforcement. I'm speaking truth to the power of the people saying to those in power, excuse us. We don't want war. We don't want to fight with you. We only want you to hear what we're saying. So ultimately, now that leads you to American Sun. So Mm -hmm. narrative told this story of inward reflection, the story that we, enough is enough. Let's all start to listen to each other. Because there are songs on that record that weren't as popular, but still speak the same sort of truth, a song called Public Enemy. You know, Public Enemy says that it's about judging a book by its character. Before you knew me, before you even knew, before you heard a word come out of my mouth, you judged me because of the color of my skin, because of what I was wearing, because of where I came from or where I lived or who my parents were. And, it's, you know, you, before you even gave me a chance to speak, you labeled me public enemy number one because you're afraid of me. And that fear speaks a lot louder than, than, than the, the idea of unity and the idea of love. So narrative told that story from a bird's eye view of what it looked like from my world. Now, American Sun now takes you to a more mature sort of aspect where it still has the same inward reflection and the same look at yourself 
before you look at anyone else at the street, but it still says that we are leaving the darkness and the shadow of what the narrative was to now looking forward to the new American Sun. And there's a play on words here because American Sun, as an S-U-N, is the name of the record, mm -hmm. but it's really about the American sons. We mm -hmm. are children of, 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 this, of this great nation, the children of this great ideology that all men are created equal. And if, in fact, we are that and we say we are that, then we have to live up to that. And we have to leave the darkness of our past behind and ultimately bask in the new light of the future, the new light of an American sun. So we have a song on that record that's called Right Now. And oh, that's right your now, okay. And I'm, exactly. I'm listening to you, so, it's like all so deep. Now, I was like, okay, well, like, excuse me, it's just saying really, I think that's a really big solution is if people will just listen to somebody before they make judgment, which we were just well, talking about in the last show. respect to listen. Right. You know, and I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting each here other. right now. It was so odd that you were saying that you wrote a lot of letters. And just as a fluke, I brought in like a 20-page single-spaced letter from one of my clients that's incarcerated in mm -hmm. California. And I thought, I'm just too busy to read this. He was my client 10 years ago. And I thought, no. Just like you were saying, I need to read what he has to say. He may have something really, really important. I need to listen. Excuse me. So I really can't Very wait to hear so. your songs. Yeah. I wish that we I wish that we could play it, but I want to remind our listeners, you know, we're concerned about copyright and all of that. I want to remind our listeners that we posted links on our website, on a, our uh, Legal Connection show on Facebook Live. We're on Facebook Live right now, and we've got links to their music, links to AJ's music. We really, really think it's very important that you listen to it. And, and you know, I want to segue back into what you were talking about, AJ, but mm -hmm. I think that now is the time. Um, I, You know, it, it's like the words in your song. We won't be here forever. Something's got to give yeah. right now. And um, So we're not going to hear a song? <coughs> no. We're, okay, so we're can, we hear the, can you read the lyrics so we can understand that? I want to hear Well, them. I'm sure you got it memorized, AJ. Throw out some of those lyrics from this song course, right now. Of course. All right, so, so right now opens up with uh, the words of how can I relate to a world that I feel is broken. Yeah. And I'll give you just, and I'll cut it down. I know I'm very wordy, but I'll cut it down and I'll give you a bit of context. No, this would be great. No, if not just wordy at all. I take take it, it away. Mm -hmm. if, if not now, then when? And if not now, then when means, you know, we constantly talk about change. We constantly talk about affecting change. And we constantly talk about, what our world would look like if we could change. But the fact is this, why should we keep looking forward to when we can change? Why don't we just change and do lay the groundwork for change right now? Amen. You know, Tupac had said, uh, had said Tupac, you know, the very yeah, the, famous the, rapper. The who, guy, you, yeah. you know, Tupac said that uh, I know that I'm not going to see the world that I'd like to see in my lifetime. But I know that I can write the music and write the words that are influenced the next world changer. And yeah. I fully believe that. Yeah. And that's a very profound statement to make because you, you're taking on the responsibility on yourself to create some sort of change in someone's life. But the fact is this, we are here right now and we're not going to be here forever. So why don't we step up to the plate and do what we can to change? It can, it, all it takes is a flip of a switch in the mind to say that I will no longer be that person that I was and ultimately I can I can do I can do better here. I and mean so basically what you've said is what the Bible says. I mean if you go all the way back to so. the uh, Old Testament whether and now I forgot what the what the Islamic Bible is and we've got the Quran and that's the Quran. Islamic yeah. The Quran, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I forgot all of them but it, it's all the basically Quran, the, the Torah, same the religious texts of the different religions yeah right. for sure. <laughs> Okay, so talk us through right now. So how can so, I relate, Tony, this is so, how can I relate to a world that I think is broken to the minds that I feel won't open? Great. Okay, next. Exactly. How, you know, how do I relate to that? How can I, how, how am I supposed to speak life? And that's the next line. How can I speak life when all I see is death and all I see is strife? I mean, this is, these are things that, that are taken from biblical context. These are things that are taken from the That's what context. I thought. Because That's again, what I thought, yeah. Our society, mm -hmm. our society, and, you know, a, a famous writer from, from England uh, who wrote the, I, think, I don't think it was C.S. Lewis, but he had said 
that um, I might not be a practicing Christian, but I'm a cultural Christian. And in that sense, meant because we come from these Western societies that are built on Christian values, it, it's inescapable. You're going to have some sort of value system that's based in Christian doctrine. Right. And that, to me, is that, and I don't see that as a negative. No. Because the, the ideals and, and the, the ideals of the Bible and, and the ideals of the religious text all preach peace, all preach uh, loving thy neighbor, all preach not bringing harm to thy neighbor. You know, also preach defend yourself if you have to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so the thing, the thing is, these are, these are very good guidelines as to which someone and society could possibly live their lives. But unfortunately, we've strayed away from that. I mean, they and are the rules. And just a little muddied. <laughs> they are the everything rules. Everything's just a little muddied, you know. Everything's a little so, muddied, did you say? Yeah, everything gets a little muddied. Yeah. You know, and, and mm-hmm. you know, we lose where we are. But, you know, again, just speaking from the heart, this was what was on my heart and my mind. Mm-hmm. And I said, mm-hmm. you know, how can I speak life? Because I think unity and changing our society based on respecting each other's lives is really what, what really matters. And mm-hmm. uh, no matter who you are, no matter what the color of your skin is, just respect my life. I respect yours. And let's all respect our lives together. That's right. And so how can I speak life when all I see is death and all I see is strife? And then I go into listen to the look into their eyes, listen to their cries, their voices speak demise. Now we're talking about, you know, the, the, the talking heads uh, in, in, in the world, the commentators, the children that are suffering, the children that will ultimately suffer the, the consequences of our actions the actions that we today make, the actions that we're going to take in November when we, when we go to the booth, the actions that we're going to take when, when uh, people uh, enact policy, those actions are going to ultimately affect the generation coming after us. So if you look into their eyes and their voices speak demise, and then, then there's this outcry to the world that something has to change, and then in comes the chorus, and I say right now, it has to change right now. We can't wait because we're not going to be here forever, and there's so much, we've gone so far that something has to give. And, you know, I don't specifically say what that one thing is. No. It's because in that, in that moment of emotion, and when you use, when emotion is, is fueling me, which emotion fuels my music and fuels music in general, you're speaking from the heart. So you don't know what you can do to change at that point in time, but you're just saying something has to change. And you're hopefully wishing and hoping that someone out there that can affect change hears you and no says, kidding. okay, right. I know what I can do. I know how I can insert myself into the situation, insert myself into the conversation, and then enact change or affect change. And then it goes into the second verse, yes. you know, speaking, how can we exist in a constant state of crisis? How can, how can we exist? In a, and, you know, see, the, the thing about the music that I've written and American Sun, it was a bit of foresight, um, foresight and prophecy because we wrote that record last year. I know. And it came out in November of last year. Right. And everything that I spoke about on that record, we have seen in a short span of about three months in our own society. So you can't imagine what the rest of the world looks like. Right. But here within our own scope of reality, within the own continental boundaries of the United States, we have seen radical change and radical movement and sway in the hearts and minds of the people of this nation. And one thing is that we have been in a state of crisis since the beginning of this year. The whole idea with the the, the, the pandemic issue, now the race issue, now we're going into another election. Everyone and and people are losing uh, unemployment everywhere. People People are stressed. And there's so much stress, and then we are we are teetering on the brink of a humanitarian crisis, in my in my opinion. And I don't want to be a doomsayer right. because I, you know, there's still a lot of great things about life. I mean, I have a two-year-old daughter, and, and I can't wait to see her grow up. So you know, there's still really good things. And you and I were having this conversation now, and that in itself is, is part of the, the the greater conversation. So, you know, I'm talking about how can we exist in a constant state of crisis, um, society in conflict. And then I talk about there's all the ignorance betrays the weakness. There's too much pride to admit, to admit that there is a sickness. sickness. Mm-hmm. 
this, we, we are so full of pride, and, and this, this happens to be, uh, if, it, if we consider the conversation of the two sides of the street, Okay, so one person on one side of the conversation, the other person on the other side of the conversation. We are now in a situation where everyone is screaming at each other. Everyone is yelling at each other. Everyone has a point to prove. No one is listening. So therefore, if I'm not listening and you're not listening, no one's learning and no one's listening and no one's hearing anything. So my so question is, do you, have a, do you have a song called Understanding? <laughs> because, because I think that I mean, when I look at the, the core of all of our issues right now is there's a misconception of what the real issues are. We're blaming everything on police so. brutality and racism when really I think it's more of economic lifestyle and politics. I mean, the two are getting Well, it's those confused. two. It's, it's those Very two. Very convoluted, exactly. Yes. And so yes. we need you to write a song called Understanding Clarity. <laughs> well, well, I will say this, Tony. I will say this. I believe that the way out of it, yes, it's great to write fantastic music and to, to, to speak about the world and through song, but at the core of everything, it's going to come down to education. Yes. It comes down to an education, as I, as I explained to Cheryl before, mm-hmm. I don't mean as education just from the aspect of scholastic achievement. Right. I'm talking about education that starts in the home, that starts in every aspect of life, yes. where we are teaching each other to be proud of who we are, to value our life, to value our existence, and then to ultimately value the existence of each other. Yes. And how scholastic achievement plays into that is because as a, as a child, I knew how I felt when I was able to achieve and study for something. Mm-hmm. I knew the, the self, the gratification I got, what I felt about myself, how I felt about myself. Yes. But if there is, if we lose that factor and we're just giving everyone, you know, oh, everyone the participation medal, so to speak, or, you know, and I'm not trying to echo rhetoric here, mm-hmm. but, you know, if we give everyone the, you know, the no child left behind thing, it, it, these are all great concepts, but we're not enabling these children to achieve on their own. Right, And right. we're, we're could... convoluting and we're, we're miseducating yeah. these, uh, our youth and we're miseducating ourselves. Right, I And then at the end agree. of the day... Right. I think teaching someone to be logical and not just the scholastic standpoint, but uh, to give them like the Socrates sort of reasoning. And and most important thing you've said of of all is if we would just listen and apply that logic long enough to stop being so pompous and feeling like, you know, both I'm right, whatever, that that and then hopefully through your songs, people are actually listening to it. They're not they can't talk back to you while they're listening to your song. They're just enjoying the music. But if you can get these right. words out, I, th- I think it's beautiful. So, well, you know, AJ, the other day when I was talking to you on the phone, I mean, we have how many more minutes do we have here, Dick? We've got seven minutes, so I want to make sure that we touch okay. on the things that you want to talk about. I knew this hour was going to go right. by quickly. But you would said something, and I thought about it and thought about it. Uh, you were talking about education, and you said that we need to raise children and and. You mean all children, so do I. We need to raise children with a sense of pride and accomplishment and what they can achieve. And we need to stop this cycle of going from education to the prison system. We, we, 1,000%. So say we that. We have to cut that pipeline. So t- talk, talk. I'm going to give you two minutes to talk about that. Okay. I really want you to expand. Sure. The, the school-to-prison pipeline has been so effective and so efficient that it's really – you don't get a chance to catch these children when they're at that most vulnerable age. And apparently I've heard that it's, they say from the third grade is when you'll know where a child or where a, a certain community, if in fact their kids are going to succeed and ultimately not end up in prison. So what do they do? If, the, if my third – the third grade, they're failing, they're not doing well, there's a lower percentage of them, so they'll stop building schools there and they'll build more prisons because they're basically setting these children up for the prison system because they know that they're going to they're fail out of school and they're going to throw them into jail. So, and I've seen that in Atlanta. When I went to Atlanta after the Atlanta riots, I went to Minneapolis, the third precinct in Minneapolis. Now, I'll leave you at this. The third precinct in Minneapolis that was burned down on the Friday... After, or the Thursday after uh, George Floyd was killed, 
that prison, in order to, excuse me, that, that uh, precinct. precinct, in order to build that precinct, they, they shut down three schools, defunded three schools in the area where George Floyd was murdered, which is typically African-American and, and lower-income, marginalized, uh, uh, marginalized community. They defunded three schools to build that place. They now, defunded. They defunded. I just want to say this again. They defunded three schools to build a prison. To build a precinct. Excuse me. The precinct. The precinct. Right. Okay. The police the, the precinct. precinct. Oh. The third police precinct got burned down, and I learned that from an from an eighth grade uh, teacher that I had spoken to while I was in Minneapolis during uh, the memorial for Floyd for George Floyd. Remember. George Floyd was killed on, on Thursday. Mm-hmm. The riots started Thursday night all the way into Saturday. I was there on Monday. Let mm-hmm. me ask you something so real quick. Mo- I, I don't want to yeah. like interrupt, but I think that's really profound no. that you picked the third grade. And that, I completely agree. I, re- I think we can all remember in the third grade, I was dyslexic. I was failing. I didn't think I was worth anything. It took a long time for me to get back out of that hole that had been created right. by the educational system. And I think eight and nine-year-olds, seven, eight, nine-year-olds, that is a a very critical age and just like you said many vulnerable. so how did you know that what what when did you learn that that's i learned that from uh my brother-in-law who's a math is a, is a math teacher in cleveland tennessee okay he had we were talking about it and he was like this is this is a statistic this is the the uh the data on that um for gauging whether or not a school or a prison, whether or not more schools should be built or more prisons or where the prison should go. And we know this because of the prison, the prison industrial complex. Most of these companies are public companies. So this, That's this what I wanted you to talk the public about. Domain. Mm-hmm. They're in the public domain, so mm-hmm. you can see that. And that in itself, the concept, the idea that incentivizing a, a, an investment to be made into the imprisonment of a human being, that in itself is cruel. And, 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 it's, and it's so, it's so mind-blowing because you would think that in a nation that, that talks about and is built on the concepts of freedom and the freedom and the equality of all men, that we are setting up some men and setting up men and women, excuse me, we're setting up some people to be incarcerated and to live right. a life based on incarceration and based on, on, on imprisonment. Well, it all that goes to back is, to is out of control. the love of money being the root of all evil. Well, and, and I want our listeners to realize this. This is what AJ is saying, and I just want to clarify this one part, is that if prisons are privatized and incentivized, that means that now the prison owners or those who run the prisons have a motive to keep people there longer. The good workers need to stay because they're good workers. I mean... It's very, very scary business. I think, you know, it's pervasive. Mind blowing. It's It's mind blowing. Yeah. So each each segment of society. Right. And so, like I said, I thought and thought about what you said about stop this pipeline through the education system to the prison system. So, so what are your suggestions, AJ? I mean, we've got you know three minutes here. (laughs) The only, the the only place that I. The only place that I really feel where we can really affect change here is through the educational system, and it's really and we have to give parents the opportunity to educate themselves because we're talking about a long line of pervasive generational mm-hmm. miseducation and generation generational. But it starts uh, at, at, the, at seven when you're thinking your little kid is just like, oh, they're growing, little Johnny or whoever. But it starts at five, six, seven years old, and that's when people are dumping their kids so. into a system where they're not even watching of them course. anymore. So I completely agree and with that age range. Part of, part of the taking money from uh, policing in America and, and reallocating those funds, mm-hmm. you know, part of that, that whole argument is that these funds are not to just be sparsely put into the public domain. These, these are, are, are to get distributed among state and city economies. This is to go to health care. This is to go to educational systems. I think music education is so huge. Yes. And although mm-hmm. some people don't value music education, music is the basis of, of all language. Yes. Music is the basis of, of, of math. Music is the basis of the way we speak to each other. You know, uh, Felicia Rashad, who was on the the uh, the Cosby Show, you know, played Claire Huxtable. Mm-hmm. She once said 
She said children sing before they speak. Oh, no. They dance yes, before exactly. they walk. Exactly. Music I mean, speaks life. King David was, you know, did all the psalms. He, uh, music uh, the is. The psalms, exactly. The psalms. Right. That you, is songs, exactly. the, our lifeline. That's our understanding. And even if you don't understand, you may hear a song that hits you at the heart that will make you understand. So I totally agree. Okay. Well, AJ, listen, we're going to have to wrap this up. We just have a few more minutes. I know you did a docu-series about Minneapolis uh, called Break the Cycle. How can our listeners uh, see that? Well, we we just only released the music video for a song called Break the Cycle that was on American Sun, which kind of tells the story of American Sun, but more in a more of a spiritual, emotional way, aside from the way right now and songs like All My Heroes Are Dead are more poignant and talk to specific issues. So there's a music video for Break the Cycle, but the the documentary is not... Yeah, the docuseries hasn't been finished yet. We're still working on it, um, and I I wrote an op-ed piece that was uh, published by Loudwire. I'm, they might have sent it to you. I would love for you to to, to read it, and you can post it on Facebook okay. or your page if you like. I can send you a link to it. And the video for Break the Cycle, the song, is there. It's about a three-minute song, and, and all the footage has been, was taken from Minneapolis and Atlanta whilst myself and a videographer was there as, quote-unquote, boots on the ground, just uh, observing the situation. And it's a great song, you know. It's, All it's, right, uh, it's and a it's rock Break song, the Cycle. It has a lovely vibe. Break the Cycle. I, I do urge you, I behoove you to listen to it. Okay. It behooves you to listen well, to we it. Well, we will uh, get that link on our website as well. And, uh, I mean, Dick, do, do I have, like, two more minutes? <laughs> okay, well, we're going to have to wrap it up. AJ, listen, that's our closing okay. music. Thank, Thank you. you. Listen, guys, fire Thank from the gods. So uh, we want to remind our listeners to serve God by serving others. Thank you, AJ. We love you. Fire from the gods. Today's show was recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and all rights and ownership are reserved to Lone Star Community Radio. For more information regarding this program and Lone Star Community Radio, visit us online at IRLoneStar.com. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station, serving the community with local programming on TV, radio, and online. If you enjoyed today's program, please support us by sponsorship or starting your own show. Contact us today by phone or text at 936 666 1084 or email the station at lscrstudios at gmail.com.